Game week four is Liverpool's league to lose in the FPL surgery. Welcome back listeners once again on the 27th of August 2019 to the FPL Surgery Podcast 141 episodes coming back to you once again. Fantastic response to last week's podcast. We had nearly 7,000 listens. Thank you uh, for continuing to support the podcast and listen to us. So thank you and welcome back to the FPL community. And if you're a regular surgery listener, welcome back to our FPL surgery family. I think you are in the inner circle we can say for sure now first of all welcoming back the editor-in-chief the man in the know the Iceman. Thank you very much, Billy, and welcome back to yourself too. Were you more Iceman or Ice Cream Man with the British weather this weekend, Iceman? <sighs> I've absolutely melted. I cannot stand this weather. It is too hot. I can't it's sleep. Weird. Can't sleep. I can't handle the heat. Go outside, you burn. It's just horrible. I'm looking forward to the rain. Look at Bring on the miserable winter months and the darkness. Exactly. For the Iceman. No, plenty to talk about from an FPL perspective, though. Favourite moment of the weekend, Iceman? Um, I think it was Mason Mount's goal. I enjoyed that quite quite a lot. Yeah, very much backed up your your stats. And uh, I thought you were going to say about trimming your hedge. I thought that was going to be the, the moment of the weekend. Oh no, it's always FPL. If there's anything to be excited about, it's always to do with FPL. The hedge was just yeah something else. Don't tell the fiance that. <laughs> no. I know you'll be listening. Um, anyway, let's get into our guests. So this week we've got two. Top managers, so benefiting from not one but two this week. One, the Iceman has been trying to get on for years. Not not that the other one isn't as valuable, just we've been trying to get this guy on for years. Record of three top 10K finishes, the best being 612th. The owner of the best FPL handle ever. Welcome to the pod, Matt Greco, also known as Banana Nose Maldonado. Yeah, it's a it's a pleasure to be on. I've been a listener for God, going back to when you guys used to do the quizzes each week. Oh, and I know James and I, yeah, <laughs> and which were rather ridiculous. To be honest. <laughs> did, you um, to the quiz? did you listen to all the quizzes all the way through? I did. Now that's and a true listen, isn't it, Iceman? Somebody's going to sit through that. I know. He's, I don't know how he's done it. I'm a masochist, and so you're about to you're about to learn exactly how much of a masochist I am by you know me coming deciding to come on the pod this week. But. I was going to say the very fact you're willing to listen to that and come on the pod says a lot. I mean, yeah. this this saga of trying to get you on this podcast is comparable to Neymar trying to leave PSG. It's just not happened. But. <laughs> The Iceman's finally got it across the line. So, Matt, tell us about, because um, we know about your pedigree in FPL, so tell us about how you got involved with it and how your love for the game grew. So, yeah, this is my eighth season playing, and my brother, who's probably a better FPL player than I am, to be fair, he's the one that got me into it. I was sort of your typical American. I played the sport growing up. I played it in college. I still play in men's leagues. But it was hard to be a fan here because of the limited access to information, limited access to matches. But my brother's actually a big Chelsea fan, and he played with his two sons. He roped me in, and now it's become a, a bit of an obsession for me. A healthy one, I like to think, but it just sort of speaks to the statistician and market researcher in me. So I kind of fell in love with FPL, and like I said, eight seasons in, I don't I don't see it stopping. Yeah, there seems to be a familiar story of us statisticians getting into FPL. What do you think the draw is for someone with your background? I think it's using stats in a way that you try to use it to 
support the logic of your decisions. And so, you know, I still, it's it's interesting because even though I'm a market researcher, I tend not to be tremendously stat-based in my decisions. I actually like the eye test. I like watching matches. I enjoy going with my gut, but it's always nice to be able to sort of go back, rely on data. So like I said, there's it's in some ways, the statistician in me likes the comfort of data. On the other hand, FPL is a way for me to sort of express something that you know, I don't do professionally. Like, just take a chance. It doesn't have to be supported with data. And if it goes well, great. If it doesn't, it's okay. It's just a game. Yeah, I think that's a similar experience to many of the stats men that we have on the uh, on the podcast and the regular. So looking forward to hearing what you've got to say in response to all of our headlines for the week. We've also got Mr. Stefan Hawksrud joining us on the pod. Again, top 3K for the last two years. Uh, finished in the top 1,700 last year. Um, he's going to be filling in for me when I have a hiatus from the pod in December. So welcome back, Hogsrud. Good to be back. Thank you. I would recommend everyone that's feeling too warm, just move to Norway and you will be just fine. <laughs> and we'll be better at FPL suddenly. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, Iceman, I know you're thinking about uh, maybe uh, upping sticks at some point. Would Norway be a, an option or are we still thinking the I mean, West? If it makes me a better FPL player, then yes, I will consider it. Good. Okay, you heard it here first. The Iceman is off to Norway. <laughs> That's not the only FPL headline we've got, though. We've got six of them. So here they are. VAR might mean fewer penalties in England. What does that mean for FPL? Uh, number two, is Kane dead as an asset? Number three, can we trust West Ham attackers? Uh, number four, wildcarders lost in the deserts of Egypt. Return of the 3-4-3. And finally, thoughts on the wildcard again? So let's, uh, let's see what we've got to say about that. But first of all, let's see how we got on in our game weeks. Um, lads, let's be thinking about our tactics, which took you to the scores that you got in the end. So, Hogs Rudd, if I could uh, flip reverse my first order, how did you get on this game week? Yeah, I played the wild card and I got a whooping 54 points, which is uh, actually quite good in the end. I got uh, saved by uh, Ashley Barnes. He scored me a goal. I was one of the guys that sold Salah for money, so Ooh. that was my only mistake, <laughs> sort of say. The rest of the team is good, and I like every player in my team except the lack of Salah. I also got Pope in goal, Digne, Van Bissaka, Laporte, Van Dijk, De Bruyne, Sterling, Martial, Mane, and Pukki and Barnes up top. So it's a good team. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this, these players get a lot more points in the future game weeks, especially Mane. I mean, on, on paper, it's a cracking wildcard team, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah I thought it was good, but listening to this uh, pod last week with uh, Mikkel Tukwam, I sort of had this feeling I shouldn't drop Salah, but I was stubborn and went with my decision. And so far, I'm regretting it, but who knows what happens next week. Yeah, let's, let's wait and see for that. So mm-hmm. let's come to Banana Nose next. Matt, how did you get on? Well, I wildcarded as well, and my result was even worse. So it was quite humbling. I, I did get a green arrow, though, but that actually speaks to just how bad I was in the first two weeks. So I really didn't recover. I just had a bad start to the season. I actually started with Kane and Salah as my two premiums. I thought I could get away with no Sterling for the first couple of weeks. And we know how that went. So I was uh, I was sitting at 2.6 million after the first two weeks. I wildcarded to get a bit of a reset. Only got 48 points this week. I got returns from Pookie and Mount and De Bruyne and Sterling and Martial. So all players I didn't have pre-wildcard. So I, I felt good about the players. But I 
sort of compounded my mistake by keeping Kane. I know it was sort of, it's either foolish, stubborn, it's hubris, it was something. But when I looked at captaincy options, I really liked the Sterling and Kane rotation more than I liked having Salah in there. And so much like Stefan, you know, I, I thought I could get away with it. I got burned. I'm probably going to have to correct it pretty shortly and just say, you know, despite Kane having decent number of shots against Villa, didn't work out against Newcastle. It's not worth keeping him even with some really tasty home fixtures coming up in the next like five to seven game weeks. And, you know, I think I just have to put my tail between my legs, get Salah back soon and just kind of reset and not try to make it up with uh, bold, risky decisions, but just kind of reset it with Sterling and Salah and try to make it up a little bit over time. Nice and a nice man. Yeah, so I looked at doing the wild card for about half a second and then I decided against it and just decided on a hit instead. So I felt like I needed to upgrade a few players, Wilson, Fraser, Perez. I wanted Pookie and KDB before the game week and then Pookie went up that point one. So that forced me to move out Perez as well. So I got in Pookie, KDB and Mount. All the players I brought in returned, so that was good. And two of the players that I transferred out blanked. I captained Sterling as well, which helped me to a 66 with a minus four, up to an overall rank of 286,000. So yeah, not bad. That is a great return, Iceman, well above the average last week. Yeah, so I'll just be quick on mine. I, I also scored below you guys. I got 42, so just below the average. Um, I did keep the faith in Salah, which saved me, but I went with the Kane captaincy thinking I was a genius and uh, I was proved wrong when he came up untrumped uh, against Newcastle. So I have now activated my wild card in a massive panic. Um, but the more, more will be said on that later. So now we've gone through our teams, let's just talk a bit about Patreon. So as usual, if you'd like to support the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash FPL surgery to get involved in our Slack channel, opportunity to win prizes and to generally grill all of our wonderful guests in the Slack channel. New patrons this week to mention, Andrew McVitie and Michael Maynard joined at the prize draw level. Mikhail Tokvam, M Highland, Flapjack, aka Richard Davis, Alan Matadi, Matt Phillips and Damian Ingham joined at the Slack level and Ron Frosk, who's supporting us at the highest tier. So absolutely fantastic. Thanks again, Ron Frosk, and thank you to all our new patrons this week. Let's move to our headlines now. First of all, VAR might mean fewer penalties in England. Nice man, give us some context and let's talk about this. Yeah, so this is all about that Kane penalty, which should have been, and the fact that VAR should have had it. It was a headline brought to us by Matt. So Matt, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one first. Why does VAR mean fewer penalties in England? Yeah, and you know, I'm trying not to let the fact that I had Kane captained really affect my impression of... Hmm. Far, But I think there were enough cases, especially in this last game week, that suggests that the way it's being administered in the league, I don't necessarily want to say it's a problem, but I don't think it's resulting in the number of penalties people thought it would. And, and I think the idea that there has to be clear and obvious error really compromises the effectiveness of VAR. So, you know, we had referees making mistakes on the field as the reason VAR was needed in the first place. So if the goal is to get rid of subjectiveness and human error, but we're still now putting most of the power in the referee's hands because of this high threshold for getting a call overturned. I mean, the goal should be to get the call right. 
that's it. Mm. But with this system, at least in the early going, there seems to be an interesting effect going on. The referees seem reluctant to call penalties because they know that VAR is there to bail them out if need be. But then VAR requires a really high threshold to overturn the calls. And so we're ending up with not a lot of penalties called. The refs sort of swallow the whistles and VAR isn't able to overturn the call because of this really high threshold. So I kind of half-kiddingly recommended on the Slack that the people doing the VAR reviews shouldn't even be watching the matches. Just let them hang out, eat some sandwiches, play some cards, and when there's a review required, they aren't told what the initial call on the field was, but they check the video, they decide what's appropriate based solely on the video evidence, and that's it. It has nothing to do with what the call on the field is because I think that's really kind of limiting the power of VAR. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying there. I preached this question to Mika Habakowski, who is a Finnish ref, and he says, and I quote, The line is harder to cross, as you can double-check, and there's no reason to whistle for easy penalties. If they didn't see it, then they just don't give it, and normally referees would guess occasionally like if it is a penalty or not, but there's no reason to do that when you've got that video as like a parachute. So all the things that you were saying there, and yeah, I think he totally agrees with that as well and also he just wants to say in the EPL they're doing it differently for VAR whereas the other leagues for example Syria A the ref checks the video on the field it's like a field review so there are different things from other leagues and I do think this is yeah it's not affecting the English game as well as we thought but they do have cameras right they they could do an on-field review they could they yeah just, they just don't just choose not to do it yeah so I think this is the end for Milivojevic <laughs> he's done yeah I was just going to say that I don't think you'll see sort of 10 goals from him this season from the spots and it could mean Palace going down as well at this rate yeah could do okay so uh, yeah I mean, VAR definitely fewer penalties and also just it's slightly taken the excitement out of celebrating a goal because you've got to wait that split second to make sure there's no review but uh, that's not the headline Iceman so I will move on <laughs> so number two is Kane dead as an asset um, stung a lot of us over the weekend and uh, Faith No Moreno has asked discuss Kane to Aguero simple let's come to Banana Nose for that first of all yeah again I don't I don't want to use what happened to me over the weekend or, or actually in the first three weeks being a Kane owner for all three to influence me too much but I, I do think for now if he's not a dead asset he's on his last legs and it's a shame because his drop in price to 11 and that run of home matches against Villa Newcastle Palace Southampton Watford Every other game week to start the season had me excited to own him. He was a bit of a differential there. But with Salah, Sterling, Mane, Aubameyang, Aguero, all looking like more reliable premium options. And then with Sun actually playing farther forward for Spurs and Eriksen's status still uncertain. I just think there's too many other ways to use your premium slots at this point. So I'm I'm sort of, I've got Kane still. I might roll my transfer, but I'm my trigger finger is really itchy right now. And he might even be gone this week. Uh, yeah, for me, disgusting Kane to Aguero move. I think uh, basically the only reason we don't have Aguero is because of the competition from Jesus, Jesus. And with him out for a month now, at least, with the hamstring injury, there pretty much are no reasons not to go for Aguero, given that you have your wild card intact. Because if you have the wild card, you can always adjust when Jesus comes back and if he starts games over Aguero in the end. But for now, you get one of the best players in the game that plays Brighton, Norwich and Watford in the next three games. And it can't be much better than that for Aguero. 
I suppose that's where we filled your city spots already, really. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I've got course. three already, and uh, if I could squeeze Aguero in, I probably would. I just don't have the money up up top. But just going back to Kane, he has blanked in the second match in a row. Also saw that he's failed to get a shot on target for the second match in a row as well, which is, I think, the first ever for Kane. But, I mean, it, we don't know what's going on with Ericsson at the moment. He should have played from the start. Yeah, they've got Trippier leaving because of what's happening there. The Rose is looking to leave as well. The Tongans not even getting into the team. Spurs just seem a bit of a mess at the moment. Also, Kane had to drop deeper because Ndombele was out, so he had to be a bit more creative. He was hardly in the penalty box. I think it was he only got the one attempt against Newcastle. And his thing is normally his shot volume, and if he's not even getting them, yeah, he is a potential move out. But yeah, he could have had that penalty, and if he yeah. got that, I don't think we'll be speaking about removing him as much. And someone posted it in our Slack. Sorry, I'm forgetting who posted it, but just showing his record over the years. And, you know, 2015-16, 25 goals, 16, 17, 29, 17, 18, 30. And then last year it was 17 goals where he didn't play as much. So you do think that at some point he's going to come back to the norm. I know him dropping deeper and not getting as many shots is to show that it's not going to happen but it could if you want to take that chance if you're lagging way behind I wouldn't fault you for going for it I'm not going to go for it myself but I can understand if someone's going to I mean like we've got they've got Arsenal next he loves scoring against Arsenal after that it's well they haven't got bad fixtures if you want to hold him I wouldn't say it's the wrong decision Um, Matt who do you want to transfer a game out for well, I'm tripled up on City, and so yeah, I, I don't. If if I wanted to make the move to Aguero, that means I'd have to drop either Zinchenko or De Bruyne or Sterling, and I I just don't think that juggling your assets around to accommodate Aguero is worth it. I mean, it might be. He's a, be a great, he's a great captain choice, but it's not like those other City assets can't perform. So for me, it would probably be down to Aller, and so there's risk in that. You know, it's you know going from Kane to someone who really has only performed in one Premier League match up to this point. Sort it seems sort of dubious. At the same time, it's Norwich at home. There might not be a better attacking fixture in the league this year than that one. So it frees up a lot of money. It allows me to get Salah the next week for Liverpool at home to Newcastle. So it's a thought. Like I said, I it's probably smart to hold off. Have two transfers going into the break in case any of my players get injured. But boy, the the frustration of having Kane for those first three weeks—it's still staring. Every time I open up the browser and I look at the team and he's in it, I kind of recoil a little bit. So you know, the the Kane to Alair move is under consideration for me. Yeah. So the the thing with Kane for me, I looked at him also on my wild card, and the reason I would have wanted Kane in there is because I would have had that. 11 million spot up top and that meant I could go between Kane and Aubameyang easily with one free transfer and looking at Arsenal's games in game week 5 and game week 6 versus Watford and Aston Villa those games are pretty much as good as you get them for Arsenal I was wondering a bit if you were looking at Aubameyang further down the line but I think if I hold yeah. Kane, that probably is the move. That Now, that means that I'm also saying, you know, no Salah still, and I've got to hide behind the sofa every time they play. So I'm back to wondering, you know, is it is Sterling and Aubameyang better than yeah. Sterling and Salah? So it's it's something I've got to figure out. But yeah. yeah, it is, you know, Aubameyang could also be a really good captain choice and a good rotation with Sterling. So got a few things to figure out this week. Yeah, so to follow up on that, Alan Duffins asked, game week four, wildcard fellas, triple city attack. Uh, Stefan? 
Yeah, I think triple city attack is maybe a bit too much because I got Laporte on my wildcard and I still think he's maybe one of the best defenders to have when you wildcard because you're pretty much setting up your teams for the next 30 game weeks and you can just leave Laporte in there for until game week 34 or whenever we wildcard the second time and he will get you points. So I would keep that slot for a defensive option from City. If I would go Aguero, I would go Sterling and Aguero with an exit plan for Aguero and Jesus comes back. Then maybe for someone like Aubameyang or maybe even Kane if he finds form. Okay, Matt? Yeah, I think I agree with Stefan. I think that defense, at the end of the season, I think they're still going to lead the league in clean sheets. I just think it's it's reliable. I think Laporte is reliable. You know, I, it's a lot of money tied up in, in one attack. Now, I mean, you can make a case for it, but you could also, as Stefan said, if it's Sterling and Aguero, and you can still accommodate that 9.5 slot, you've got options. In Nicholas Pepe, you've got Sun, you've got some options there. And I think I just like having not all of my eggs in one basket there. It's, you know, maybe that's silly given these fixtures and how good they look on paper for the attack. But I think it's going to require some transfers down the road if you do that. Maybe you capitalize on it for the next three weeks. But I think down the road, you're going to end up having to move things around again. And if you're on a wild card, I'd rather get a structure that I like for the long term rather than liking it for three weeks and knowing I'm going to have to adjust quickly. Matt, you just uh, you mentioned Nicholas Pepe there. I did. I'm intrigued. He hasn't, he hasn't had a lot of uh, love FPL-wise. Do you think he's an option? I don't know. I want to see him score first. I want to see him not fluff his lines. But, you know, it's intriguing. And when you look at that run for Arsenal, you know, as Stefan was saying, Aubameyang looks good. Well, if you decide that, like in my case, if I don't want to keep that premium forward, but I keep the 9.5 slot midfield for De Bruyne, well, you know, it's potentially a move to Pepe, you know, game week five, game week six, whatever it is. I mean, you know, City still has really good fixtures, but that run from what, game week five all the way up to about game week 16 for Arsenal. You know, if he starts to get a little more comfortable, if you see him get some returns, I think it's an option. And First man to nearly dribble past Virgil van Dijk. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So, Iceman, as a defender, how would you defend against Nicolas Pepe? Just, I would uh, Lascelles him to the floor. <laughs> yeah. What about showing him onto his right foot? Because did we not learn from the weekend? He's horrendously yeah, left. He, he looks it, doesn't he? Yeah. If, if, he, if anybody goes back and watches any clips from Lille, it's all left foot. Just, just watch it. So anybody defending him, listening to this, I'm Easy. sure the Premier League left backs do. Um, <laughs> Easier said than done, that though. There'll be no points for him. Exciting player, though. No, I agree. I think with that run of fixtures from Arsenal, he could be a, an interesting one to watch and. He's, uh, he's awkwardly falling into that 9 million price bracket, but let, let's see what happens with him. Chaps, whilst we're talking um, talking attackers, let's move on to our next headline around West Ham attackers. A little-known man called Woodsy has asked, oh, do his stats from Watford versus West Ham support Haller's brace? Were his goals inevitable through constant involvement in attempts or just through him taking his opportunities? Well-thought question there from a... Uh, would see. So let's go to Hawksrod first on this one. Well, uh, well, on Haller, we basically have just one data point because the City game, uh, you can't judge any player against City. So we only have the, the game against Watford to go off and I can't make a decision on him, really. Hmm. Uh, he, he scored goals in the Bundesliga and uh, he, he looks to have a goal scoring touch, but I'm not sure, really. So I, if I were going to go West Ham, for the fixtures, I would go a more certain Lancini or maybe even a Felipe Anderson. But if I had the wild card again, 
uh, I would take the chance on Haller much even more easy because uh, with a wild card you can always fix everything and then you can punt on Haller. Yeah, he he is a player. I did do a little bit of research on him. He's seven point four at the moment. Uh, he got the two goals. As a, he's only got two point six percent owned, and they have got Norwich and Aston Villa next. So you know, juicy games. There's definitely goals in that Norwich game. Who's going to get them in that West Ham team? I mean, can we tell if Haller's going to be involved in all of them? I know he is a player that does like to do flick-ons layoffs he's a big target man so in the air with great players on set pieces at West Ham he's potential to get goals I saw something on from Statsbomb they backed up their tweet they put uh, great in the air excellent at setting up teammates and takes high value shots so there is much to love they say only takes shots from great locations and I did look in the stats in the German league like 24 goals for Frankfurt from 60 appearances over two years 15 goals 9 assists last year helping them finish 7 there was a shot per game of 1.9 so not brilliant so yeah it's, it's not too bad he's got scoring potential there for a goal every two games at that price it's not terrible but as you mentioned i'll probably want to see a little bit more he did get four attempts and two goals against a poor watford team and that's what's turned everyone's head it just looks to be their big man up top he's got a lot of potential i think we just need to wait see what happens but it's, these are the teams which you know you could capitalize on quite a lot if you bought them in now. But yeah, like you said, it is a bit of a risk. Okay, and uh, Boards asks, is it time for him to axe Jota or better to keep and wait for form alternatives like either Haller or Wilson? Uh, yes, it's time to drop Jota. Uh, I started with him in game week one myself. Uh, I was watching the highlights from the Europa League qualifiers and he looked good. Wolverhampton looked good. They played very well against Manchester City in the preseason, so I fell for it. In game week one, I watched him play and he looked gassed in 20 minutes in. So already in game week one, I started to regret my decision a bit. I thought he didn't look attacking. Wolves didn't look attacking and it has just kept on the same way. I didn't watch the game between Wolverhampton and Burnley, but from the highlights I saw, Wolverhampton didn't create much that game either. So it's basically if Wolves qualify for Europa League, I won't touch Jota or anyone and I think you should just offload him now, given that they actually qualify. Europa has kind of knocked them for six, really, a bit like Ben Stokes. What? <laughs> uh, Cr- cricket humor always goes over really well. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, and Jeremiah's asked, Haller, a good, uh, one good game week. Seems an obvious wait and see, but many are jumping on him, and I think we've discussed that. Well, I, and I, I may, I'm probably <laughs> higher on Haller than you guys are, and I think, well, it's, it's twofold. I think, I don't think you have to jump on a bandwagon before it starts, but it is nice to get on a bandwagon before it takes off. The West Ham players, they're mostly kindly priced. I think the attacking talent they have with Allaire and Lanzini fit, the skill of Anderson, Yarmolenko, I think Antonio got hurt today, but they provide a little more power, another dimension. And that run of fixtures from game week four to game week 12, I just think it's too good not to have one of them. I, I agree with Stefan that Lanzini might be a safer choice. But I think, you know, Allaire is not a kid. He's 25. He has a pedigree here. He does have those 24 returns in 29 matches last year in the Bundesliga. So I thought he looked comfortable against City. He obviously looked really good against Watford. I think he's a, a, just a complete forward. So 
I understand wanting to wait another week, another two weeks, but then we're back into a Pookie situation where the people who moved on him and got that hat trick are feeling really good. I'm not suggesting that it's guaranteed he's going to score against Norwich. I think there's a decent chance. If I move Kane, it probably is to him because not only do I like the fixtures and I and I like what I see from him, but if you can get to that price point, it's not so bad because he is an easy move down to Barnes, to Jimenez, to Jota if he becomes you know, a possibility, and, and then possibly up to Wilson if need be. So I'm not as against getting him in now as you guys seem to be. So you're going to say that Hallow is going to score a hat-trick in the next game. That's what you say. Yeah. yeah move, move on, Billy. Pro- probably <laughs> d- probably a double brace, actually. <laughs> and that answers Mr. Smith's question. Hey, guys, thoughts on Hammers in particular, the helicopter. Well, the helicopter is going to be uh, well, hovering in with a hat-trick. There we go. That's a wrap, isn't it? Right. Move on to number four. And we've got wild carders lost in the deserts of Egypt. And let's go to a man who took a trip to Egypt. Let's go to Hawks, Rudd. Yeah, just to, to state the obvious that I regret my decision dropping <laughs> Salah on the wild card, and I knew Matt was gonna bitter, bitter be in the same position. So, so it's a, it's a lesson learned for everyone. I think the jury is still out. Of course, it's been one game, but after watching Salah against Arsenal, he was back to his good old self. And I, I didn't sell Salah last season before the Bournemouth game, but this time I think jokes on me. So. I mean, next week, you know, Mane could brace and Salah could yeah. blank. So that's just the way it is with those two, isn't it? But you're still stuck with Newcastle game week five, which Salah probably looks like a great captain option mm. that game week. So that will be tough to watch without him. After Newcastle just held out Spurs. Yeah, because Liverpool ain't Spurs. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, um, what about you, Matt? Have you got any thoughts on wild carders being lost in the deserts of Egypt or... This hasn't affected you, really. Well, it affected me the same way it did Stefan. Uh, he at least had Mane. Even if he didn't return, he's got someone in that attack, and I don't. And it was it was frightening watching that game without having any Liverpool attack. So I was sort of back to just, you know, ultimate just regretting having Kane, knowing that he'd end up blanking the next day, watching Salah get that brace, and it's it's just painful. So, yeah, I would recommend two wildcarders, even if you think you might transfer him out and make a switch to Aubameyang at some point. Boy, I'd, I'd get him in now. Just see how he does this week. See how he does against Newcastle. You know, just just don't go without him yet. Agreed. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah, that's enough said on the, uh, the, the Salah situation. So let's move on to the return of the 3-4-3. Three, three. So we've had a few questions about this. Uh, Helmo, Robertson, 7 million, six points in three games against Norwich Saints and Arsenal. Stick or twist, especially when I already have TAA. And let's go to, yeah, Holger, I'll come to you first on this one. One of the reasons I played my wild card was because I didn't think Liverpool looked good with Alisson out. I think they, I wouldn't have invested double Liverpool defence in game week one if I knew Alisson would, wouldn't be in goal. And uh, Liverpool have sort of just followed up their pre-season form, being sloppy in defence. They give up a lot of chances, take up a lot of runs. They did the same versus Chelsea in the Super Cup, and they did the same versus Arsenal this weekend also. Of course, they are 10 minutes away from a clean sheet yet again. And the goal for Torreira is a bit yeah, random, but they really should have scored in first half with some of the chances that Aubameyang and Pepe had. And Aubameyang got a great chance of another Adrian mistake. So even though people said, okay, versus Southampton, it was one mistake and they would have kept a clean sheet if it wasn't for that mistake. But Adrian made 
two of those mistakes in the same game against Southampton and I made another mistake against Arsenal and when I watch Liverpool I don't feel very comfortable and confident that they're going to keep, keep a clean sheet and against Burnley yet again I think Burnley will cause problems for them with the long balls lots of people in the box so uh, I can easily see Burnley score also. The problem is, though, there's not really anywhere better to go. Is it? I mean, like you went who? Wambasaka? Um, yeah. kind of got have a Man City defender in your, in your team, as we mentioned earlier. But Wambasaka scored you zero points this week, and I think they have only kept one clean sheet in the last like 18 games. So there's not that many good places to go. I mean, like people that have doubled up with the uh, Robbo and TAA, I think they're still onto a winner there. I've got Van Dyke and Robbo. I'm going to keep both because one, I can't see many better options to go, but Robbo was really unlucky about not getting returns in the last couple of games. He looks great going forward. He is top for penalty box touches for defenders with 11, highest for touches in the final third as well, and Trent's in third for touches in the final third as well. Trent is the assist king. got two so far. He He's 11 chances created, which is the highest for defenders. I think it will come for them, and I can see more goals from Van Dijk. If if you're on to Liverpool, I don't think there's any rush to get rid of them. I can understand you not going with them on a wild card, but at the moment, unless you want to free up funds to voice to your team elsewhere, then I don't see a rush to move away. I can see some clean sheets coming up for Liverpool. They've got Newcastle at home next after this Burnley game. Then they've got Sheffield United away and Leicester at home as well. I can see at least one or two clean sheets in those the, the point for me is that you don't want to sell Robertson for another 6.5 million or 6 million defender. There are a few of those. But people are selling Robertson or Trent because they need to free up funds to go, say, Siggy to KDB or something. Yeah. Maybe maybe Josh, Josh King to Haller. So they do need to free up funds elsewhere. And in that case, I think it's completely fine to go away from the double Liverpool defence. Yeah. I did, I did look as well, kind of supporting your argument now. Liverpool haven't kept a clean sheet against Burnley in their last six games. <laughs> if you're hoping for a clean sheet, which I am, yeah. um, I'm not that hopeful. Yeah, I think that's answered uh, M. Bison22's question about keeping the faith in the Liverpool defence. Jay Ross is saying, is it worth uh, moving away from all expensive defenders and ploughing our money into the midfield and forward line, Matt? Yeah, this this is a tough one because I know, you know, there haven't been a lot of clean sheets early. And I think, so now there's this tendency, I've seen some wild card teams floating around with no Liverpool defense, no City defense, just cheap options in the back. And I get it. You know, that's early in the season. It's it's sort of sexy to get the attackers. They're getting the points currently. I'm fine moving to the 3-4-3, but just no clean treats are going to return. And so be prepared to go, whether it's big at the back at some point or at least big, you know, bigger than you are on your wild card. Just know that at some point you're probably going to end up going back. But, you know, FPL is situational. So, you know, you have to take the season in these small size blocks. So a slight shift away from premium defenders, whether that's you have four now and you only move to three or you have three and you move to two. I'm fine with that because you've got these fixture runs for West Ham, Burnley. So a Pookie, Holler, Barnes front line, it's tricky and you're kind of locked into some really tough price points. But if you like those three for the next month, for the next two months, like I have no problem with that at all. But I just, I think people should keep in mind this is, it still is only three game weeks. There has been statistically 
the number of clean sheets has been extremely low, and that isn't going to continue. They're going to come back. You know, Allison is going to come back. Those Liverpool defenders are going to be attractive again. So just, you know, it's fine to do it in the short term. Just don't lock yourself into that as a long-term plan. Just before I come to Hogs, Rod, I want to line up, I want to link in Alex's question. So um, it's what your fellas' thoughts are about three up top, some viable options. I think there, Matt, you've already talked about Pookie, Haller and Barnes, but he's also mentioning Wesley, Rashford and Abraham. So, Hogsrud, your, your thoughts on taking the money out of the back, putting it into the front players and the idea of a three up top? Uh, it could work. And the front three of Barnes, Haller and Puki, and that was mentioned, is it sounds very good now and it probably will be very good for a few game weeks. The only issue I have with, with that sort of strategy is there are, aren't that many strikers to choose from in the price range. Mm. So if you're stuck with three spots, you might just end up using a double transfer somewhere down the line just to move money out of there again. And I think you could do okay with just Puki, which seems like an essential player right now, and maybe one other, be it Haller or Barnes or Rashford or whoever. But if you have one of them, you're, it's much more easy to just shop around for the ones who have shown good form and good fixtures without being stuck with a third one. Okay, nice. I think that's a nice perspective. Okay, so I also want to thank other people who asked questions about 343. So uh, FPL Rubber Ducky, thank you. Aral Simon and uh, Freddie Rovers. So cheers for your questions there, everyone. Moving on to, yeah, the idea of thoughts on wildcard again. So we were talking again about this. So Emma has asked, what are the benefits of leaving wildcard until later in the season? Are there any stats that support a general view? Let's go to Matt on that. I'm generally a fan of wildcarding when your team needs it. For me, it's always been one of those you'll know it when you know it deals for me. Like if you're if you're able to hold on to your wildcard until game week 20, you know, good for you. But if you're not happy with your team, you see six, seven, ten spots you'd like to change or improve, then I say use it. So I mean, I don't want to dismiss the importance of the wildcard. It's probably the most powerful chip in the game. But we've got free transfers. You've got the ability to take a hit or two across the season to shore up your team. So you know, there might be data out there that suggests it's really smart to play the early wild card, or it's really helpful to have it later on. To me, I play it when I just don't like my team, or when I see really big fixture shifts for a couple of key teams happening. Um, so I, I try not to lock myself into a specific. You know, I'm definitely going to wild card after two weeks, or after week eight, or I have to hold on to it until week 19. I think you just use it when you need, when you know it has to be used. And, you know, I think that's how it can probably be used most effectively. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. A bit like, I think it was last year, I think a lot of people wildcarded in the Man City players just because they just kept scoring continuously. Like, it could happen with the likes of even Arsenal and Spurs. Like, you know, their form could suddenly change along with their fixture change. There's a lot of things which you can weigh up in a wildcard and it does depend per team. And I fully agree with everything you say there, Matt. The only, only other thing to think about is this season we will have a blank game week 18 for Liverpool and West Ham. So uh, yeah, good point. if if you're holding it long term, that may be uh, a week you can play it or you play it around. Yeah, so that, that sort of links in with Keaton Chopra's question. Wildcard when you're ahead, so you stay ahead or should you wildcard till your team is in... So do you, sorry, wait on your wildcard until your team is in dire need of it. Um, 
Uh, and DJ Newton has asked, three sets of data is too little to figure out most teams' form and uh, what their players really offer at this stage. Jais Man, do you want to say anything on that? Yeah, I think that you can tell quite a lot from the information that we know now. It's not the fact that just because there's three bits of data, Matt mentioned in our Slack that are we just completely disregarding all the data from last year, all the data from other seasons and other players coming in. You, you need to take that on board as well. It's not just these three sets of data. Obviously, it's recent data. It does help support the wild card and whether or not you're going to go for it. But there are so many options at the moment to go for that if you want to wild card in your team, you feel like your team needs it, why not? Just use that, that three sets of data and just go for it. I don't find a problem with it. The problem is, of course, that things change for game week, for game, game week from game week, uh, yeah. game week to game week. Like, if I were wildcarding this game week and not the last one, I would 100% have Salah back in my team after that Arsenal performance. So so these things are going to... You're burning after that, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, but these things are going to change from, from week to week. So, okay, next week, Mane scores a hat-trick against Burnley. And people say, oh, it's, it's, it's okay, you don't need Salah after all. You can just have Mane. And... And yep. these things, uh, in the start of the season, we started with Fraser, Wilson, King, uh, we tried for Paris. These things change. Now it's out with the Bournemouth guys, in with the West Ham guys that have good fixtures. You didn't want to jump on them because they had City in the first game week, which makes sense. So some of us played it pretty much short term. And if you play it short term, we also need to react quick when we, we see things change. How, how good is Salah? He's good, isn't he? Good player. It's pretty, pretty good. <laughs> You have to edit out all the Salah <laughs> <laughs> talk. It's staying in. Yeah, but it but it was tough last week. You know, as the wild carders, I mean, I felt like it was. It didn't matter where you were. You could be in Slack. You could you could be on social media. And that same note of we only have two weeks worth of data. We only have two weeks worth of data. And I mean, yeah, obviously, as a researcher, I'd like to have more data than less data when making decisions. But Iceman, you just mentioned it. I. I don't think I had just two weeks worth of data. You know, when I wildcarded, I felt like I had seasons worth of data that suggested that a fit KDB scores a ton of points, that Burnley without Europa is solid defensively, that Pookie is a sort of a clinical finisher, he's a volume shooter, and that didn't seem to be changing, that Barnes is a volume shooter, that Martial, when he actually gets starts, has a really good points per game, and on and on and on. And so, you know, it's not like these teams and players just started kicking the ball in August. We already knew a lot about them before the season starts. So I get it. More data is always better than less data. But yeah, I thought it's a, I thought it was a little sort of uh, sort of preachy or at least short-sighted to just say, you know, we don't know anything after two weeks. I, I felt like I knew a lot. Yep. Okay, yeah. So I think we can take a lot from what we've seen already. So let's get into our more general question. So Will Minus has asked, question to three of the best around. Uh, at the end of the season, who will have more points, Puki or TAA? And by how much? So uh, let, let's just get a quick fire round here for three of the best. So Iceman? Uh, Pookie. By how much? 38 points. 38 points. Wow. And then uh, Matt? I will say Trent by 15. Trent by 15. And finally, Hogsrud? I have Trent by 20. And I know what Will is doing here. It's a trick question to support his five at the back. It uh, is. Yeah. But- it's a complete but, uh, trick question, but right. the problem is it's it's not valid. Well, you guys are wrong. Your question is invalid, so uh, I'm not well, one of the three of the best around, but I will say I think uh, TAA will outscore Pookie, so I'm pro that. Uh, by how many? 30. We'll do, see. Do I, see. Lose? Yes. I, I uh, lose that one, do I? Yeah, 37 that? points to Pookie, you, you won't. That, that will be wrong. 
<laughs> we'll see, yeah. Stefan. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Okay. But Stefan, but uh, Stefan is right. I think what Will is fishing for here is, is it better to have a 6.5 defender or a 6.5 attacker? Yeah. But the, the premise, though, is a, at least in my view, it's a little flawed because we do have transfers. So as you were saying before, if you have a six point, if you have Trent, you're unlikely to transfer him out. You sort of see him as a season keeper. But if I have Pookie, I can transfer him to Barnes for a good fixture run. I could transfer him to then King for a good fixture run. So to me, the question is, it's a 6.5 defender versus a 6.5 forward, but, you know, with good fixtures. So, but you, Stefan's right. Will is a really smart manager, and I know he goes by, like, a value-based system to pick his players. And, yeah, there's there's more value in having Trent than there is in having, I think, any of Pookie or Barnes or King or anyone else in that in that region. I would look forward to the end of the season when I'm right and you guys are wrong. <laughs> and Will, I know what you were doing there as well. You fishing <laughs> for for someone to say Pookie. Yes, I I bit at your rod. <laughs> well and true. Will of mine strikes again. Well played, Will. Uh, Paddy P, the hitman. Uh, do you ever use mind games with your fellow FPL managers? Do you think it can be a factor in winning mini league battles? I tell you what, I'm going to come in on this one quickly because. When we weren't as involved in FPL as we are now, Bully, uh, we always used to do mind games. And I'll tell you what, Brookie, the beard, used to win over nearly everyone, didn't he? There's no question about that. He used to absolutely kill us for mind games. And now I don't use it at all. All the research is is fine. But yeah, that's, that's, that's my... If you do your research, I don't feel like you need to. No, what about you, chaps? Steve, do you want to come in on that? Uh, I play no mind games, and I think if I were playing any mind games, I wouldn't come on this pod. <laughs> it's 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 strange going here and telling me telling everything I think, and then I don't know who I'm going to fool really. Matt, any mind games for you? Not really, and it makes sense that Patty, like the ultimate crap starter, is the one to ask that question. But <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not in any mini leagues that are that competitive or cutthroat enough to care that much it might be being in the states that we just don't take it as seriously my my only goal really is to not get relegated from the that fpl generals elite 64 league and i'm currently in last place so i don't there's no mind games i can play i, I need to i need to worry about my team and nobody else's <laughs> at this point yeah yeah no mind get you need to just start offing people i think matt if you want to get out of that <laughs> <That's> my, <laughs> my only, it's, it's, it's becoming after only after only three weeks it is starting to look like my only uh my only <laughs> chance at this point <laughs> Right, okay, let's just let's be clear on that. Matt is not a, a psychopath, so yeah, he will play the game fairly. That we um, know of. Uh, speaking of which, Mad Hatter has a question. So I have Jimmy and Bolly. I'll wait for the laughter to stop. Uh, are Wolves <laughs> assets uh, something to be worried about in light of Europa, or is that just Pash? Pish. That's a soft way. <laughs> He's also put underneath. I don't want to address each question. All right. Uh, also, no. I've noticed recently that a duck's opinion of me is very much determined by... Whether or not I have bread, discuss. <laughs> I do feel those are two separate questions, but okay. Um, Hogs run. I'm going to come to you first on this one. I need you to try and tell me if uh, Wolves' assets are affected by Europa League, whilst also entwining a duck's opinion of you based on bread. <laughs> if you do that, uh, yeah. you, win a, you win a stress ball. <laughs> uh, I had bully in some of my drafts for the wild card. Because of what I've seen from Wolverhampton, they, they seem to try to save energy in the Premier League games so far. And that could be good for a bully and bully, a bully. <laughs> and it could be good could for, be good for the yeah. 
So I think Bolle is a is a asset you can have regardless of them qualifying for Europe or not because he will play most of the games. Wolverhampton will play defensively. They will play solid. He's great on the BPS system. So he, he's a he's a good pick at five million. Other than that, you can have Deng Donker, but none of the other more attacking assets as they will get reduced minutes and they they already look tired to me. Nice, Ice Man. I was just looking as uh, you were mentioning Bolly there. I was just doing a comparison of Bolly from last year's first three games and this year's first three games. He's literally had no goal threat so far. As last year it was quite a lot, and he already got a goal. So just something I was quite interested in. But yeah, I, I think with Wolves in Europa, I just think they're more of a stay away. I've got Jota at the moment. I'm not happy about having him. Um, I'm not really that hopeful. I'm going to hold him for this week. But yeah, that whole Wolves team is just kind of not for me at the moment. So the, so the thing is with Bolle that if they had had VAR last season, he wouldn't have got that goal against City because he scored with his hand. That's true. And this, and this season he would have had an assist if there weren't for VAR since the, the Donker goal got disallowed, which would have been that a goal. Well, is ruining games. And Mikkel yeah, so, uh, so that's, uh, that's a statistic you don't have to use because it, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter much. Yeah, nice. Any thoughts, Matt? I'm actually along the lines of Stefan here, and I think Bully's actually a little more attractive because they're in Europa. I mean, like he said, they, the way Nuno has set them up, they basically are sitting back, they're absorbing pressure, then they seem to start to counter with about 30 minutes left. So they've only given up three big chances in the first three weeks. That's because they're just keeping their shape. You know, any chance they're conceding is mostly from outside the box. The other thing with Bowley, as Stefan said, is he's he's good on BPS. And so if they're not scoring three goals a game, but they're they're playing 1-1 games, they're playing 1-0 games, he's more likely to get in the bonus because the attackers aren't. And he's already got five bonus in their first three games this season. So I actually think he's he's a very viable pick, even if they're in Europa. I think he's sort of unaffected by being in Europa League. You say you say that about the three big chances, but there are more than one team not allowing three big chances. Like Sheffield United are on three big chances, United are, Leicester, Burnley, yeah. and they've allowed a lot more shots this year so far. They've allowed 38 so far in the first three game weeks. I'm not agreeing with both of you on that one. I think that they are just going to come under. With all this pressure in terms of the Europa League, I just think that it's going to wear them out. And like you said earlier in terms of uh, Jota, he just looks on his last legs at times. And I think it's going to happen to more than one player. Yeah, well, I think just like with Pookie, you're just going to be wrong on this one. Well, we'll see. So. Right that. <laughs> hey? Okay, chaps. Okay, let's, uh, let's rein this in. Come on. Let, let's create some unity. I think Helmo's... Helmo's question about Yotta, banging them in Europe, MIA and FPL and dropping in price. Do you feel we've, we've covered him enough, Iceman, or could we do more chat about Yotta? Uh, no, I think if you're able to twist, then I would twist. I'm I'm holding for this week just to give me more options for the international break. You still have Jota. That's impressive. Yeah, he's doing well. Yeah. Does anybody want to address this issue of Mad Hatter's um, issue of the ducks only being uh, attracted <laughs> to him based on if he has bread or not? We should move on from that. <laughs> literally have nothing to say to that. <laughs> I mean, having, having grown up on the island, I, I would say, I mean, I, I just would expect that. It's pretty much, uh, you know, that's the relationship bred for duck love. That's that's it. So Ducks aren't meant to eat bread. No, they're not. Shall we just cut this bit out? I'll <laughs> take. <laughs> Speaking of shit, let's move on to Spurs assets. So Mark H has asked, uh, what would you do with Spurs assets or liabilities? Matt? Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about all Spurs assets. 
right now. And if Erickson leaves, I think it would be a while until I go back. I guess Sun is the only one I like a little bit because I've got that 9.5 spot with De Bruyne. But I don't know. I'd have to be convinced that Sun could outscore De Bruyne and Pepe over a significant period before I would bring him in. So, I, I mean, I'll keep my eye on him, but I mostly I'd say Spurs assets are sort of dead for the time being for me. Yeah, I definitely think Kane is less of an asset now Ericsson is on the way. If you look at the amount of assists he's got over the last few seasons, I just don't see the supply line as much to Kane at the moment. I'm not sure what's going on with Vertonghen either. Some, some sort of black eye um, oh, yeah. not playing so far, all sorts going on with him. So I, Something is amiss at Tottenham Hotspurs, as much as I do respect what they've done in recent years. Hawksrod, have you got any th- thoughts on Spurs? Yeah, the only thing is, if Eriksen actually stays and you wait a couple of game weeks for him to get into the team again, he could be a great value at 8.9 currently, and he will probably drop drop even lower. If he stays, I will watch him closely. If he stays, I think that makes Son a better asset as well. I mean, like, he yeah. had, what, six shots in the last game trying to make his mark, but I do think that everyone will want Son at some point. I just think you need to wait until Spurs have like settled down a little bit in terms yeah. of what's going on. And Kane will be better if Eriksen stays. So that is another option for you, Matt. Keep Kane for one more game week, and then you know if Eriksen leaves or stays. Yeah, it's probably why I should roll. Uh, speaking of North London, let's go to Birdman. Which Arsenal assets should we be planning to get for their upcoming good fixture run? There's a double up on their attack worth considering. We've already praised Pepe. Uh, Iceman, as you're a lover of Arsenal, who, who do you think for this upcoming run of games? Well, I know he got benched last game, but I do think that Lacazette is still going to be an option. He's so consistent. He was one of the most consistent players last year. Or Bamiang would be the one I was looking to actually move out Salah to get him in for game week five. I know that was before the Newcastle game, which everyone was slating me over, but I st- still do think that might be an option. If I was in Matt's position, I would probably move Kane out for Aubameyang next game week the options at Arsenal are limited though not necessarily going to move around your team to bring in the likes of Lacazette and I think you need to wait on Pepe he needs to get going you need to see him score before you actually bring him in but it would be Aubameyang you can bring him in at any stage he's returned for the third game running he would be the one for me yeah, I think Aubameyang is the only option I'm considering from Arsenal along with maybe Ceballos but, uh, since he's so cheap but like I said, I can't get on board with at all. He's 9.5 million and you never know if he's going to start or not. And it's a Euro- Europa League is coming up. Emery likes to rotate a lot. So I think that speaks down both Lacazette and Ceballos. I don't know if they get secure starts. Yeah, I think some good cases for Arsenal players there. Matt's asked, is Barnes an option? Just seen a stat, he scored 12 goals and one assist in his last 18 Premier League games. That's pretty amazing. The best Austrian in the Premier League at the moment. Now, so have you, any of you sort of big fans of Barnes? Can you see this uh, this this brilliant form continuing? Uh, I hope so. I got him on my wild card, so <laughs> I ho- hope I hope uh, he continues scoring. But I really didn't want him on my wild card. I wanted <laughs> I wanted Mason Mount, but that would leave me with a four five one, and I I couldn't go with that uh, formation on the wild card with two cheap strikers. So I had to get one more, and it turned out to be Barnes. And so far, so good. But it's a good one. Yeah, nice pick, uh, Matt. Yeah, I agree with Steph. I mean, at this point, it's been a long enough run for him, given the way that he played last season and now the way he started the season. I mean, it's it's hard to watch sometimes. I mean, he just kind of plays like a madman, and it's not the most sort of technically sound game. But mm-hmm. he's always in the right place. And he's a poacher, and he's clinical, and he gets his head on balls. And I, 
I don't see any reason why it's going to stop given the run that they've got. Now, after that, you know, I, I don't know if he'll consistently return against really good defensive teams, but I'd feel pretty confident if I had him right now. I think Stefan's in a good place. Yeah, he it's only Aguero and Mane that have scored more in 2019 than Ashley Barnes. I mean, you certainly know you've been in a game when you played against Barnes, especially with how many like, aerial ball they, they lump up to him in the box. I mean, like, the game against Arsenal, that's all they did. Just a bit wary of him getting a card every so often. He loves a good elbow. Yeah. Um, but he, he could have had two against Wolves. He's been scoring in tough fixtures. No player has had more shots than him so far this season. Ten of those in the box. He's on 13. He scored four goals. He's very much a man in form. And there isn't really a reason why you shouldn't bring him in. And I have looked. I really have. <laughs> because I don't like him. Uh, I The only thing that I could find that is maybe a detriment against him is that last year's stats on average for goal attempts last year he was only 1.8 per game and I compared his stats to Dini who again I don't like and Dini won overall eight key stats to three so maybe that would tell us it won't last maybe it's like a Mane thing maybe it's like he seems to be outdoing his stats at the moment but He's got good stats this year and he's scoring goals. So I really can't convince you not to bring him in. I think he's a great finisher, actually. Uh, he takes good shots up. He, he seems to know where the goal is. But um, just as you mentioned Dini, I'm afraid of the red card, really. And elbow and VAR and all that stuff. So he's a liability, sort of, also. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's help Mr. Fish. He wants to know how to replace Iosi Perez. Mount. Mount for me. Yeah, I, I had a quick look at his stats as well from, from last year as well. 2.6 shots per 90 last year. It's currently top for midfielders for attempts on goal this season. He's got three 90 minutes so far. He's scoring goals. Yeah, why not? Bring in Mount. I was just going to say, yeah, I got Mount on a wild card. I feel good about it. I would say, I mean, if, if Mount is 1A, Lanzini is 1B. I mean, he's right there. He's got better fixtures. You just have to hope he stays healthy. But if he does, I think Lanzini could match Mount at least over the next, you know, the, the really good run that West Ham has here. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. But so given that Mr. Fish has Paris and he wants to move him out, I guess he's not going to play his wildcard. And in that case, he, I would go for Lanzini because of the short-term fixtures are better. And the only slight worry with Mount is he was benched versus Liverpool because they, Chelsea played a 4-3-3. And that could happen again. And I'm not sure it will happen again, but it's something to maybe pay attention to. And we just talked about how good uh, or how defensive Wolves set up. And Chelsea have Sheffield United, Wolverhampton and Liverpool in the next three games. Whereas... Uh, uh, Lanzini has Norwich, Aston Villa and Man United yep. so for me I think the fixtures edges it for Lanzini short term yep. so let me ask though because I assume this question I mean it might be a long term question <laughs> but let's let's assume he's asking for this week would you get rid of Perez with him home to Bournemouth this week or would you just say you know what I'm going to give him one more game uh, it depends if you have other problems in your team yeah. of course I wouldn't mind transfer out Perez he, he, don't, doesn't shoot. Harvey Barnes comes in, scores a goal. All Brighton came in the game before that, and Leicester looked better. Yep. Uh, and Lanzini's and Lanzini's home to Norwich. I mean, it's not like you're yeah. transferring him to a player with a bad fixture. It's probably the best fixture uh, anyone can have. Yep. In, in, with regards to scoring goals. Okay. Well, I think that has adequately answered all of the questions for this game week. And I know the Iceman is absolutely busting for a break. So let's take the Iceman's piss break and we'll be back 
shortly after some relaxing elevator music. Thank you very much. And welcome back, the Iceman and Co. So let's talk about Mikhail Tokfam's algorithm, our esteemed guests from last week. Uh, these are the best single offensive transfers according to Mikhail Tokfam's algorithm. We've got Yotta to King. Second is Yotta to Barnes or Yotta to Wood. That's for my team, by the way. So it's just uh, prompts me that I need to get rid of Yotta. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. So the Iceman, take the hint, get rid of Yotta. So Yotta's clearly the weakest link with only one transfer in hand. Uh, none of the alternatives have any substantially better fixtures for Yotta than next week. Waiting might be the preferred option for the Iceman to keep his flexibility high. Uh, next week will also be an international break as well. So food for thought. And if you have Yotta, you might consider the same. So, again, if you want to find out more about using Mikhail Tokfam's algorithm, go to patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm. Uh, we're also partnered with Fantasy Football Hub. Uh, and as usual, they've given us a, well, not as usual, they have given us an exclusive sign-up offer, a code of surgery 10. So if you go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk, you can sign up there for 10% off. Chaps, transfers and captains, let's have a quick uh, whisk round. So I'm going to go to uh, Matt, first of all, who is going to be your transfer and your skipper for this week. Yeah, I mentioned earlier that I'm probably going to roll my transfer. I'd like to go into the break with two, but I am getting the itchy trigger with Kane. I could move him to Aller. The other option I have is if Martial is out, and it looks like he might be, even if it's short term, I'd... I'm considering Martial to Lanzini. And then for a captain, I put the captaincy on Sterling Saturday after the the week, the new week started, and it's not going to change. Okay, Hawksrod? Uh, I'm pretty much in the same boat. I, I will save unless Martial is out, then I will transfer him to Lanzini or Mount. Probably Lanzini. Okay. And my captain is uh, Sterling, and I'm not nice. going to change it from Sterling either. It's it's a shoe in for me. Iceman? Yeah, so I, I look to be saving this week, so I've got two chances of the international break. And my captain, and I'm going to refer to a Sterling tweet that he sent. He said, you guys created monsters, referring to official FPL, said, still will do my best for all people who triple captained me next week. So he really looks to score against Bournemouth. Stats are great, highest for shots, penalty box touches, goals, blah, 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 blah. So there's no reason why he won't score again. And Brighton haven't played anyone decent yet. I think they will get smashed this game, just like Ben Stokes did against Australia. Oh, nice little bit of a cricket reference there, Iceman. I'm enjoying that. Okay, um, let's go through our Patreon and Surgery mini-leagues then. So, first of all, the Patreon Mini League. In third place, we've got Jacobs Crackups. Callum Jacobs, lovely use of the name there. I'm enjoying that. In second place, we've got Dynamo Torshov, Andreas Toft. And in first place, we've got It's Color of Time with Rich Davis leading the way. And now on to the main FPL Surgery Podcast Mini League, my favourite part of the pod where I get to offend all with my terrible pronunciations of their names. If you would like to join the uh, the podcast Mini League, the code is CCC. 
JK2. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, so, so in 10th place, we've got Neil Davis. Uh, 9th, Danny Lazar. 8th place, Desmond Brady. 7th place, Don Mbuka. 6th place, Andreas Persson. 5th is Kyle Steinsapir. 4th place, William Wee. I'm really sorry about that, <laughs> William. Please let us know how we say your name. 3rd uh, place is Stephen, uh, Stephen Stannard. 2nd uh, place, Dan Fenn. And 1st place is Lydia Clements leading the way. And her side is called Tricky Trippier FC. Kieran, of course, doing very well for Atletico Madrid this season. I think you absolutely nailed those names, Billy. Well done. Not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. We've got the guest top three picks this week and top three differentials, Iceman. Yes, so Matt and Stefan, I've asked them before the pod to come up with uh, three top picks for this week and the three top differentials. They're just going to reel them off. Stefan, if you could reel yours first. Yeah, my three top players for this week is Aguero first, Sterling second, and Kevin De Bruyne third. And I want my differentials as well. Yep. Yep. It's uh, Soyuncu, Haller, and Emerson. I think it's time for Emerson to get a clean sheet, get that goal, and get that 15 points. The new Alonso, he's calling. In that that awful Chelsea defence, yeah, that's going to work. Matt? Yeah, so I also have Aguero and Sterling, but I'm going uh, Sebastian Haller as my third topic. And my differentials, I also have Emerson. I think home to Sheffield. I could have scored last week when Mount laid it off to him. I, I think he's getting close to a return. I also think Zaha. I know Palace looks bad, but I, I just think home, Aston Villa, I think they're due. I think he might get something. And then my third, also a little, quite a differential, would be Joe Linton. Home to Watford. Watford looks terrible right now. I think there's a chance he gets another one. Great, thanks. Nice. Okay, well, let's look at our feedback box. And we've plucked out a beauty from FPL SOS regarding last week's pod. Fascinating pod from FPL Surgery. 100% must listen. This pod is not just about everything we've taken from game weeks one and two, and what we hope for game week three and onwards. It's about the extra insight Mikhail Tokbam offers. Truly game changing chat. Hashtag FPL Pod Squad. Thank you for that, FPL SOS. Great feedback. Yeah, thanks very much. A little bit of a love for Hogsrud. Uh, Adam at FBL Kings has said, delighted to hear Hogsrud is back on. I'd never listened to the pod before, but after the podcast with him two weeks ago, I've become a fan. Hulk Hogsrud, you've got a following already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. And it's only going to grow. As we've said, Hogsrud is going to be a regular on here from December. So looking forward. How are you feeling about becoming a, a surgeon regular, Hogsrud? Terrified. <laughs> <laughs> it will be fun, I guess. You will do a grand <laughs> job. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, um, sexy thoughts, just to mention to him, he's taken some time out from football, FPL, and most sports. Uh, just needs to support the family uh, at the moment. And he's got a nice message for the FPL community, which we will play shortly, Iceman. Yeah, we'll play it. FPL sexy with sexy thoughts. This week's sexy thoughts. It's not the sexiest. Kind of sad. It's um, it's about my dog that I've just had to put down. Um, best friend of 12 years. My best friend that I had when no one else would would take or put up with my crap. Um, so a shout out goes to her, and hopefully she's not hurting anymore and in a better place. But the real reason that I mention it on Sexy Thoughts is 
I guess just part of the coping mechanism dealing with it. I put it up on Twitter that I had to say goodbye to my best friend. And the amount of people that commented and got back to me and wished me good luck and just the nicest messages of people that I haven't even interacted with before just absolutely blows, blows me away. So everyone out there in FPL Twitter land, take a bow because it's a bloody special community and I'm feeling the love. Thanks, guys. You. That's cool powerful message from Brett there and it really does bring a tear to my eye. The love that a dog can give is you know, just unrivaled at times and I totally get how he feels. Top man, that's a, that's a great message and uh, yeah, great everybody supported at FPL Sexy. So yeah, I'll be back on soon, FPL Sexy and uh, I'm sure with more great, I suppose, life-provoking thoughts in the future. So um, bringing the pod to an end, um, the, the next one doesn't really lead on that nicely from uh, from that that last one I spoke really, but we'll we'll come to it anyway to finish the pod on a com- comedic note, shall we say as usual. So uh, there's been something of a, of a of sort of a run of questions about foods and uh, other things non FPL related. So Helmo has asked uh, a steaming bowl of English chip shop chips, French fries for the foreign brethren. Uh, what's your favourite con- condiments? And Helmo has said, for me, I keep a very simple lashings and lashings of salt and vinegar. Though as a northerner, I'm partial to chips and gravy. Great shout, that. Um, I'd be interested to hear where we all stand. Ketchup, mayo, curry sauce, gravy, salt, salt and vinegar, vinegar, or any some other superb accompaniments we should be all aware of. Spread the condiment love and up the pot. <laughs> I've spent more time on that than any other question in this entire episode. <laughs> so hogs rod i'm gonna ask you this first because uh further afield than me and the ice man what's your view on the uh on the chip what do you what do you go for with a good chip oh it's it's easy here in norway we just put ketchup on it or dip it in ketchup totally agree and i and i might and i might go exotic if i'm eating the the fish and chip style thing and you get the the peas that are mashed. I can mashed dip. Eggs, yeah. yeah, I can dip them in those too if I, if the, if I feel like it. But mostly ketchup. I, I like what you do. A little bit of extra protein with the peas. Great, great shout. So somewhat nutritional from from Hogsrud. Matt, what about you? What what do you pair your chip with? <coughs> yeah, I mean, in the states, it's really ketchup or nothing. But I will say, I don't know if this is even a thing over there. But I don't mind smothering my fries in like it's a nasty heart-stopping goo of like cheddar cheese that would that would be oh, yeah, cheesy you know, if you don't yeah so that would be the backup but yeah in the states it's mostly they they give you fries and they hand you a big thing of ketchup and that's about all you get the cheddar almost killed me last time i were in, uh, in the u.s it was cheddar 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 <laughs> everything couldn't walk a couple of meters without having cheddar thrown at you <laughs> Just a little bit of extra cheese added to everything. Iceman, what, what do you opt for when you go to the chip shop? Oh, yeah, I, I have ketchup. Ke- in the bloody chip shop. Okay. <laughs> Friday night. There he is again. Always in there. It's, it's always ketchup for me. I mean, like if you're going to anything else, it could be barbecue sauce. But, yeah, ketchup's the one which I would go to. It's, uh, it's kind of a boring answer now. I've heard it three times. Well, I'm going to go slightly different. I'm actually, if, if you're talking about a chip shop chip, I am partial to curry sauce with that. Obviously, lashings of uh, salt and vinegar, but then curry sauce really does uh, make for a good bag of chips. So I'm going to I'm going to go with a differential curry sauce, I think. Oh, change it up. Change it up. So, yep. So spreading the condiment love. And again, if you've got any random, wacky, bizarre condiment food or just general questions you want to ask the surgeons, 
and our guests, uh, you know, send them through. And I'm going to tell you how you send them through right now. As usual, if you'd like to support the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash FTL surgery. Any, any questions really you want to send us easily would be done on Twitter. FPL surgery is our handle. You can find us at fplsurgery.com for all the latest news that the Iceman keeps updated on the podcast. We are also on Facebook. You can listen to us, to us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. We are on Reddit. Give us an up the pod if you're ever on there. Uh, and if you ever want to email us, info at fplsurgery.com. We will try and respond to your emails. To, we've already talked about the mini league, but just as a reminder of how you can join said mini league, uh, CCCJK2, it's the FPL Surgery Podcast mini league. Get involved with that. Let's see if anybody can catch Lydia at the top of the league. I want to thank our wonderful guests. So first of all, the man who has been a mystery for many a year, but we've now uh, enjoyed over an hour of his time. Banana Nose Maldonado, Matt Greco, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Great to have you on board. Uh, Hogsrad, thank you once more. Thank you for having me. Yeah, looking forward to having you back more regular as the uh, the months pass. Um, Iceman. Hey. Are there any... Is there any wisdom? <laughs> any any morsels? Me, no, any, no. Any light you can offer not, our no. listeners as they head there into this, this week of, of just darkness? move on. Just move on, okay. <laughs> and with that step up attitude to life, thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you in the next game week on the FPL Surgery Podcast. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod. No. Yeah, nice. Right, guys, I'm just going to play... Hugh Metal. Gonna play Darren's Matt Matt Hatter Bad Chatter. So, Luke win their first match of the season in convincing fashion. Watford sit plumb last in the Premiership. Sorry, Mads. And I scored a respectable 71 points in FPL. If Carlsberg made weekends, we'd probably be drinking shit lager. We'd probably be drinking shit lager. What the f was that? Who the f is doing this? Iceman, are you f censoring me? You absolute f staining, shit stabbing, shit bothering, teasing, f***ing room emptier. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> took me a while to edit that one, you know. <laughs> that was incredible. Oh. Yeah, That's I mean, I don't... Oh, no. Uh, it's okay. Just go, go Matt. <laughs> this is, uh, this will be cut. Don't worry. Say Matt again, Billy, and then we'll go again. Matt! Get <laughs> 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 Uh, try again. That was funny. Good. Carry on. <laughs>